Hi everyone and welcome to Decoding Seafood. Today we are excited to chat with personal chef and digital creator Amy Casey from Amy Casey Cooks. But before we get too much into the episode, I'd like to stop and formally welcome Amy to the show. Hey Amy. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm really glad to be here. We're happy you're with us. Today we're going to explore the world of Amy, her passion for preparing healthy, delicious, and homemade meals for her clients while educating them with professional, personal chef culinary tips. Amy started her culinary journey growing up in the western, western suburbs of Chicago. Now she resides in the Jersey Shore, serving her clients along with the northern Jersey Shore. Since she opened her personal chef business back in 2007, she creates menus based, for her, based on her clients' taste preferences and dietary concerns. She has also worked as a food columnist for the New Jersey Herald for six years. She's the author of two blogs, including the five-year project for dinners for a year and beyond. This project chronicles the dinners and reviews of cooking for her two daughters, son, and husband. But enough of me talking about Amy. Now I'm going to turn it over to her so she can tell us a little bit about herself. Thank you, and I'd love to share about myself. Um, I am from a family of cooks. I've always loved to cook for as long as I can remember. When I was in grade school, I used to run home at lunchtime because Julia Child was on The French Chef and really didn't know what she was doing, didn't know a lot of the things she was cooking. It would be escargot or something, but I just knew that I loved watching her cook. So that was the beginnings of my culinary journey. Um, I, I uh, worked at a lot of different food establishments from scooping ice cream, being a bus girl. I even cooked in my sorority for a few years. Anything that involved food, you know, I really, really love to do that. But uh, fast forward a little bit, happily married for the last 33 years to my husband, John. I have three grown kids, a new grandson, and our two rescue dogs, and we all live here at the Jersey Shore. Uh, I'm a self-taught cook. Uh, in a previous life, I was a commercial real estate appraiser, and I did that for about 10 years before I retired, and um, my kids came first at that point, so I was a stay-at-home mom. So most of my cooking focused mainly on feeding my family. When my kids um, got a little bit older, I got the itch to try something new, so they were in school all day long. So luckily, uh, we lived in a small town in northern New Jersey, and a Barefoot Contessa-esque, I would say, cafe opened and one of my friends said, hey, you should really you know, go over there and see if they need some help. So I did that. And for two years, I was everything from chef to food orderer, menu planner, waitress, you name it, dishwasher. I did it. It was great experience. I loved every minute, but it also uh, told me that I do not want to be in the restaurant business. I realized that's a 24 hour a day, seven day a week job. And I had a family with three three small kids, and I wanted to, you know, be a part of their lives too, and not just in a restaurant. And that is when I actually stumbled upon personal chefing. I'm not really sure exactly how I stumbled on. I'm pretty sure it was something on the internet, and it really intrigued me. And this was about, I would say, about 2007. And at the same time, I was dabbling in the new blogging world. 
and started the blog that you mentioned, Dinners for a Year and Beyond. It was supposed to be a year, and I would make dinner for my family each night, take a really bad, blurry photo of it, post it on my website, and have my kids say, you know, what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? So that it's, it was a fun way to chronicle my recipes so they're there in perpetuity for them. And it's also fun now just to go back and check check out how our life was back all those years ago. Um, also in 2007, that's when the personal chef business began. And I've never looked back. I've been doing it for 16 years. I started out basically doing parties, cocktail parties, that kind of thing, dinner parties or bridal showers, and realized that wasn't my forte. So I moved on to family dinners because that's what I do best. And it's a great way for me to really get to know my clients because I cook in their homes and I would, wouldn't want to be doing anything else. And I also continue to share all of my recipes on my blog. And I encourage people to make them and just get in their kitchens and try out new recipes and cooking techniques. I love that story because I, I like the fact that you tried different things. You know, you kind of went one way, you went into the restaurant and you're like, no, this isn't for me. And then you tried the bridal parties and weddings and that sort of thing. And you're like, no, this isn't for me. And then you you found the right spot for you, which sounds like it's like home cooking, which I think is great. Um, I personally enjoyed going back and seeing some of your early videos. I I, I really enjoyed it. it. And to see the progression, and I, and I would encourage, we'll give all of your social handles and all the rest of it at the end of the episode. But I would encourage people to start at the beginning. It's a very you have a wealth of material there and it's a it's a very heartwarming kind of you know look at at everything that you've done. I I personally enjoyed it. So I would say if anybody's going to start to look at your stuff, it it's good to start at the beginning. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to ask you a question. So I know you you changed your path a little bit in food as you went along, you know, just based on on what you liked and what you didn't like. But did you identify a need that wasn't being met in your area, you know, as far as like doing personal chefing for people and meal prep? Actually, yes, because 15, 20 years ago, there really wasn't the personal chef category that there is today. There was more private chef and everyone's like, oh, you have to be really rich to have a, pri a personal or private chef. Who are you cooking for? You know, these must be rich and famous celebrities. And in actuality, when I was at the, the small cafe that I worked at, it was regular families that came in and the parents were picking up the meals that we prepared. And they were a little different offerings than your regular restaurants, pizza or Chinese food. So they really enjoyed that. And at that point, I saw, yeah, people really want home cooked food. And when I stumbled upon the personal chefing, I'm like, wait, I can put these two together. I love to cook. I've been cooking for my family forever. Um, let's give it a go. And a couple of my first clients were actually customers at the gourmet shop. So it was, it was a great fit. And with people, it was basically, they were busy. They didn't want to cook. They didn't like to cook. They didn't like to grocery shop. They didn't like to menu plan. So that's where I fit into their lives. 
I check all of your boxes, Amy. I don't know how to cook. I don't like to cook. I do not want to shop for groceries. I just want the food there. So I would be your perfect client. Oh, I love the grocery store. And people are always like, you do? Oh, it's like, oh. It's, it's like my playground. You know what? That Yeah, everybody has their spot. And that's definitely yours. Not mine. I'm maybe because I can't cook. Maybe that. <laughs> but kind of tying into your love of the grocery store, can you tell us what's a typical day like for you? I don't know that. I don't know anybody really knows what what the life of a personal chef is. You know, from when they wake up in the morning until they go to bed. You want to give us right. a peek behind the curtains? Sure, I will. Um, Actually, for a client, the prep work starts a couple days in advance because I either text or email them. Um, and thank goodness for that, because if I started all this before there was emailing and texting, I couldn't even imagine having to like call my clients and plan their their menus. But I send them off suggestions of meals that they can pick for the week. So either, you know, it's about a dozen different things. Uh, including entrees and side dishes. Some clients want me to uh, also make some baked goods, so I send those suggestions. And we go back and forth a little bit. They give me the final menu that they would like. And the night before, day before, I cook for a client. I do all my paperwork, which is the grocery list, the menu. I print out an invoice, and I also do labels for all their food. So then the cook day comes along. In the morning, I pack up my car. I can take along with me some dry goods like spices and also like oils and vinegars. And I also have a big tote with what I guess is my mobile kitchen. It's the basics I need to cook for my clients. And I use some some of the kitchen utensils, pots and pans at my clients, but the majority I bring with me and it's really not not that much stuff. I'm wondering, next I head to the grocery store and buy all the, the freshest ingredients I could find for them and head to my clients. I unpack everything and I begin to cook. And a lot of people ask me, well, how do you get four meals done with four servings each and package it and clean up? And how do you do that all in just four hours in somebody's kitchen? Well, um, first of all, that's all I'm doing. If When you're at home, you're also answering the phone, putting a load of laundry in, you know, so you're not as focused. And I'm also cooking more than one thing at a time. I may have some soup simmering on the stove, all the meatloaf in the oven, and I'm mixing up a batch of brownies for my clients. So things are happening all the time. After all the meals are finished, I package them and put labels on them that have the date what's in each package and how to reheat them. And then most clients store their food in the refrigerator because they eat it within three to four days. And if they're not, then they can just put that in the freezer. And I clean everything up. The kitchen is spotless. Pack up my car and I head home. You're like the kitchen fairy. It sounds perfect. <laughs> just, leave, just leave lovely smells in my clients' kitchens sounds like paradise to me i'm 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 just kind of curious how do you come up with all of these recipes because if you have reoccurring clients which i'm sure you do how do you keep them 
how do you keep them excited about what we're getting? Because we, if people get so bored of food. I mean, we're we're spoiled. That's very very true. And you know, they're like, eh, you know, I had chicken. Eh, I don't want any more chicken. Eh. How do you how do you keep it exciting for them? Well, there's actually two kinds of clients. Really, there are the clients that want me to make the same dishes week in and week out. They know they like meatloaf. They know they like chicken parmesan. So I make those and, and they usually apologize to me that they're ordering the same foods. And I'm like, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I still like to cook for you, so I'll cook whatever you want. But then I also do have the clients who like new dishes all the time. I had one client and for nine months, I never repeated a, a dish for him. And I didn't even realize that I was doing it. And one day I gave him his menu and he said, oh my gosh, I've already had this. So I quickly changed it from an Asian lettuce wrap into an Italian lettuce wrap. So I kept my street calling with him. Um, but the way that I come up with new things for my clients is uh, I, I love to experiment in the kitchen. So I'm always tweaking recipes. And when I make dinner at night, my husband's like, wow, this is great. He's like, I'm never going to see this again, right? I'm like, no, because I barely like cook things twice at home. And I'm just cooking with what we have in our kitchen. So maybe hard for me to recreate. But I also, uh, you know, look online like a lot of people. And I also have a network of personal uh, personal chef friends. So if I have a client that has a new diet or uh, a health concern that I'm not familiar with, um, I can always reach out to one of them because there is somebody out there who's done something like that. And a lot of times I'm also, you know, going to restaurants, seeing something while wow, this looks like something one of my clients would like, I jot it down so I can, I can give it to them. And I also just love to cook with stuff that's in season. So that helps me form the menus and recipes for them. I think that's something that's probably missing out of a lot of people's diet is seasonality. You know, I think we get very spoiled you know, being able to get strawberries year round if we want. In most parts of the country, I would say that that's true. But it doesn't mean that you probably should. You know, there's definitely times. Oh, exactly. They, they don't. So there, yeah, there's times when they taste like nothing. And then if yes. you get the, the strawberries, you know, in late May and early June, you're like, wow, this is a strawberry. You know, it's... <laughs> mm-hmm. It's... I definitely think that's something that's missing from our diet here. But I am going to switch it up a little bit. And since we're specifically on a seafood podcast, we are going to talk all things seafood. So I want to dive into that a little bit. And I always say, you know, the more I talk to people, the more I realize that for some reason, seafood can be very confusing. So I want to start with your journey with seafood. You know, when did you start exploring it? You know, was it something as a child in Chicago that you were exposed to? Or was it something that happened a little later when you moved to the Jersey Shore and it was more, I would imagine, readily available? So growing up, I was the youngest of six kids. So uh, a lot of our meals, dinner time, were set. Meatloaf on Monday, tacos on Tuesday, steak on Wednesday, burgers on Thursday, pizza Friday because my mom was more concerned with feeding us than variety, even though she was a great cook. Uh, I just, I, I would say my first recollection of seafood, if this is even seafood, was tuna noodle casserole. 
because whenever my dad would travel for business, that's what my mom made because my dad hated tuna coming out of a can. So she would make the tuna noodle casserole with the egg noodles and the can of cream of mushroom soup, and we loved it. Uh, so that was one of my first memories. And also each year our family took a yearly trip to Florida, and one of the highlights of that trip would we would go out to a local seafood restaurant and we always ordered seafood. It was usually something fried, like fried shrimp or, you know, scallops or something. But it it was a great memory. And that was probably the first time that we were introduced to real seafood. I love the fact that you, everything is attached to a memory. I, I, I always... I always think that food and memories kind of go hand in hand and, and you just kind of proved my proved my theory. Like you remember tuna, tuna noodle casserole because of your dad traveling and then you remember, you know, Florida fried shrimp or something of that nature. Exactly. Based on education. So I think that's I think that's interesting. So tell me about the Jersey Shore. How did moving to the Jersey Shore kind of expand your seafood palate and, and what kind of seafood is up there? Well, here we are so spoiled because it is plentiful. It's basically out. I have a five-minute bike ride to a local market to pick up seafood. Um, so that is awesome for us. Uh, and also, being so close to the shore, even our grocery stores have great seafood counters with local fish in them. And there's so much to choose from. It's hard to choose when, when I go to the market. We love lobsters here, and we get a fun thing to do is a lot of places sell lobster rolls, and they a lot of times just use the tail or some of the claws. So I can buy a bag of or two bags of lobster claws for dinner, and we just boil those up, and that's fabulous. Uh, we also get a lot of clams, oysters. We have mussels, soft-shell crabs. One of the favorite local fish around here is fluke. So white fish, kind of similar to a flounder. Uh, we also have bluefish. Our tuna is fabulous here. Sea bass is also another. Swordfish and mahi-mahi, it's just, it's always something. It's great. You have quite the variety up there. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. So I'm curious, when you're putting seafood on your clients' menus, do you find that they are completely open to it do you find resistance is there resistance to maybe certain types of seafood like they're okay saying okay i will you know i'm okay with shrimp but don't bring me a mussel you know are do you do you find that with people uh, definitely and it's a mixed bag there there's both sides of the spectrum i have had clients that say don't even mention fish to me they never want it and others who are open and love when I experiment and make new recipes and new dishes. Um, in general, though, most clients want to try seafood because sometimes they're a little intimidated by it. So if they have me make it, they're more likely to, to enjoy it. So and especially with all of the fresh fish that we can get here, it's so easy to easy to cook it for my clients that uh, they're enthusiastic most of the time for me to make them something new. Well, continuing on that thought, let's talk a little bit about the different types of seafood. And I will say, I, one of the things I loved in your bio 
was that you said that seafood can be easy and quick. But I think most people may say the opposite, and I may be one of those people. So why do you think people have this perception? I think a lot of times people have the perception that it's complicated because there's so many varieties. You know, like I said, you know, there's all different kinds of fish. There's shellfish, there's lobsters, there's mussels, soft shell crab. So I first, right there, I think they're intimidated. They're like, what am I going to do with that? Um, but in actuality, you know, it's it's as easy to prepare as chicken or, or steak. Just have to, you know, attack each one differently. So they're also afraid that they're going to overcook it. That's another thing. And they, because they don't want to eat it raw and they want to make sure it's cooked. So then they cook it an extra five minutes and then it's tough and dry. And they're like, I don't like seafood. So I think that's another thing why they think it's complicated. And finally, I feel like, you know, they always, I don't want if it, it tastes fishy. And the first thing I say, well, if it tastes fishy, then it wasn't fresh fish to start. So let's try again. So those are a few things why I think people think, you know, it's complicated when they're in the kitchen trying to cook seafood. So where do you start with a client who comes to you and says, you know, I've read all this really cool stuff about seafood. You know, I want to possibly reduce my cholesterol or I just want to try something new. Where do you think, what do you think is a good starter, a good starter seafood um, fish or shellfish? I think they can both you know, work for somebody that's new. One of the first things I always say is, you know, let's start with a cuisine that you like, a food that you're familiar with. So say I have a client who loves Mexican food, so I'll recommend, you know, let's try fish tacos because they're familiar with what a taco is. So they hear taco, they're like, wow, I love tacos. So either I can bake or grill up some salmon or swordfish for them or even grill some shrimp put it in a warm tortilla, add a little shredded cabbage, make a little fresh salsa, and it's a food they know, but in a different, just with a little different tweak. And that's how you baby step them to the bigger stuff, right? Exactly. And then, <laughs> and, and a lot of times it's not even bigger stuff. It's, a, they, if they like Italian food, okay, you're, I'll make you scallop piccata instead of chicken piccata. You know, so they already have the, flavor profile that they know it's just trying a new food i have a question one of the things that i uh, that i've seen a lot is the mediterranean diet gets a lot of you know it gets a lot of press and and seafood tends to be part of that do you have people coming and asking about that specifically i'm just curious oh definitely mm -hmm. i have a, one of my clients now that's basically what i cook for them with a few, you know, not so healthy foods like macaroni and cheese thrown in every once in a while. But most clients want that I cook for, want to eat healthy. And the Mediterranean diet is perfect for that kind of person because basically it's a fish or a chicken type of dish, more fish than chicken, and vegetables, beans, lentils, that kind of thing. So it's a very healthy way to eat and uh, a lot of clients are actually looking for that kind of diet. It's good to know. So now I'm going to get a little personal with you. So I hope that's okay. So Definitely. if I am in your house, tell me, 
how are you cooking fish in your own house? I know it sounds like your family is your your focus group for experimenting on different dishes. But if we're cooking fish, you know, what are you buying and how are you preparing it? Well, we, as you can probably tell, love fish at our house. We probably have it two to three times a week. And one of the main reasons that I love fish is because it is so quick to cook. So after I am cooking for a client all day, the last thing I want to come home and do, because a lot of people say, well, you must eat like gourmet at home every night. And I'm like, not always, but it's, it's easy to cook fish at home. So after cooking for a client, I'm in their hot kitchen all day. I can come home and make a great dinner in 15 to 20 minutes. So we love dishes that are easy to prepare, like a teriyaki salmon. I have a great homemade uh, teriyaki sauce. It takes you less than five minutes to whip up, and you just put it over the salmon, pop it in the oven. In 12 to 15 minutes, dinner's ready. Just add a vegetable, that kind of thing. We love clams also and mussels. And those are also super easy to prepare. I saute up some onions and garlic, add some white wine, some butter, toss in the clams and a little uh, sliced kielbasa. That's my Chicago spin on it. And it adds, you know, like a, this kielbasa adds a nice smoky taste to the dish. And you just need a crusty loaf of bread and a salad and got a great dinner. And then uh, tuna is fabulous here it's fresh especially during the the summer months and either we just sear it up which honestly takes one to two minutes per side and either we just slice it really thin and have it with you know like a, a nice salad maybe some sushi rice or even put those over like a poke bowl with edamame some steamed broccoli or asparagus and you know dinner's ready in no time at all Amy, you had me at Poke Bowl. I was fooled at that. But continuing the thought about families and in preparing food for them, you know, I know your kids are older now, but I want to talk, I want to take you back years, and I want to know, how did you introduce seafood to your children? You know, I think a lot of people, it kind of, it kind of goes with their hesitancy with eating seafood themselves, and then that kind of gets passed down to children also. So I'm curious, what did you what did you start them with? How and how did it go? How was it received? So one of my big things you just touched on is when people put their food fears onto their kids. So when there's something new, a parent might automatically say, "Oh, you're not going to like that." And I'm like, "Well, how do you know? They haven't even tried it yet." So when my kids started eating seafood, it it was frozen fish sticks from the Gorton fishermen. Um, they were crunchy. They were looked like a chicken finger, so they loved those. Uh, but when they were really young, we lived in Southern California for about four years, and out at a restaurant, they were introduced to fried calamari. There's something fried. They loved that, and we also took them out for sushi, and one of their favorite rolls to order with was the dragon roll, and that was barbecued eel, and I'm positive if I told them, here's an eel roll, you know, they wouldn't enjoy that. But if you said, oh, here's a dragon roll, you know, they loved it. Um, and to this day, that's still one of their favorites. So 
at our house, it was kind of an unwritten rule, but not really, that everyone had to take a no thank you bite. So whatever out was on your plate, they had to try it because I wasn't making peanut butter and jelly for one kid and mac and cheese for another. And then one kid was eating what my husband and I were eating. So whatever was on the plate, you had to try it. There was always something that they liked. So if they didn't like the main course, there was always some side dish that they would like if it was rice or no, no one went hungry. So they had to take a bite. And if they said, no, thank you. Well, great. At least you tried it, you know? And so that way they were exposed to a lot more foods that maybe they wouldn't have. I always hear this with people that I talk to. It's about exposure. I think first, like you said, I think you need to put your own personal preferences aside and not kind of pass those things down to your children. But I think the other thing is just expose them and expose them multiple times, you know, at different ages, you know, just because they didn't like something when they tried it at, I don't know, four doesn't mean they won't like it at eight. So, you know, that's, that is definitely it because I remember a long time ago reading a study and I don't remember the exact number, but it was something in the realm of you need to expose a child 12 to 15 times to a food and then they're going to like it if they didn't like it initially. You know, once you keep giving it to them and they keep trying it, like you said, if they're four, yeah, their palate may be different. One of my daughters, when she was growing up, when she was two, she was eating Caesar salad sitting on her high chair. And my son, in my first blog, the dinners for a year, his nickname was no thank you boy, because he said no thank you to everything. And now he's 26 and he is close to a gourmet cook and growing his own garden so you just never know you know the path your child will take from you know exposure to food well you just led me into my next question for you I wanted to know did your kids when they were smaller did they cook with you do they cook with you now you know any future collaborations are we going to see them doing anything with you what what's happening there uh, when they were young, yes, they were in the kitchen. I had them, you know, standing on a stool and whatever, snapping green beans or, you know, stirring a pot. Um, and to the to this day, they all cook to some extent. They all they all like to cook. I just remember a story one of my daughters said when they, she went off to college and living with friends in an apartment. And she's like, Ma, none of my roommates even know how to boil a pot of rice. So it was like totally foreign to her that, her roommates didn't know how to cook. So I'm glad at least I, you know, gave them a good footing in the kitchen. Um, I actually did with another, with my other daughter, she and I uh, did a video together. It's up on YouTube back when she was in college for a dish uh, and a recipe I sent her off to school with, you know, that she could make when she was at school. So I have collaborated in the past. I'm sure we'll do stuff in the future. We're always cooking together. When they're here visiting, you know, one one kid is making a salad, the other one is manning the grill, you know, so everybody always pitches in. So it's it's always a good they're very helpful, I should say. And there's there's one meal, the best of the year, because it's my day off is Thanksgiving. And <laughs> every because one year I tried to change the menu of Thanksgiving and you can't change the menu of Thanksgiving because you have to have turkey and mashed potatoes and green beans. And so I said, okay, great. I said, you guys can all cook it. So they each take a different course 
And now that we have extended family or if there's relatives here or friends, everybody is making something. This past year, my son was cooking the turkey on the grill. My daughter, son-in-law, you know, made the mashed potatoes. Somebody else was uh, in charge of pumpkin pie, and they actually just went out to the store and got it. But it didn't matter to me. That's my day off. So it was all fabulous. So that's we like to have fun in the kitchen. I love the fact that you take off Thanksgiving. You're like, nope, not doing it for Thanksgiving. No, no, no. So we've talked about, you know, like everyday seafood for families and and that sort of stuff. But I want to know, I want to go in a little different direction here. And I want to know if you wanted to just like wow somebody, what would be your wow seafood recipe? And before you answer it, I will tell you in poking around on your on your social and everything else, you did a salmon stuffed with crab that I looked at over and over again. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is probably one of the best things I've ever seen because it looked so good. So well, you just you just picked my wow recipe. No, I didn't know. <laughs> yes, you did. That that is what well, it succeeded. It wowed me. So yeah. that's an awesome that review right there. Um that is, you know, oh, would you like to tell people about it? I stole your thunder, but would you, oh, no, I know. I love that you did because someone just on one of my social media accounts, she sent me a note and she said, oh, I made that dish. It was fabulous. And it was so easy. She's like, do you have more? Um, so that's like, that's one of the main reasons that I keep up with adding recipes and sharing recipes when I get people just into the kitchen to cook. And then realize how you know easy it is to cook really good food. But um, back to the uh, the lump crab stuffed salmon. Um, it's one of my favorite. It's a thirty minute recipe that you can even prep in advance. Uh, you could get all the steps done, make the crab filling. It's basically like a crab cake, and prep the fish, get it all set. You can stick it in your fridge in the morning. And then when you come home at night, all you have to do is pop it in the oven and it's just about 15 or 20 minutes and, and that's it. It's, it's one of my favorite dishes. It's my husband said, it's like a restaurant, restaurant quality dish. I'll pat myself on the back for that one. If the pictures are anything like what it tastes like, it certainly is. It looks good. I mean, like I'm being sincere. I watched that video yesterday and I thought that is what I want to eat. So come on over. I'll make it for you. <laughs> Listen, I have been threatening all my podcast guests. I'm going to be knocking on their doors and be like, feed me, please. <laughs> but since we're talking about seafood in the family, you know, I am a big pet person. So our conversation would not be complete without talking about the other members of the family. And that's our little pet. And according to it's the AKC, salmon is a great source of omega-3 fatty acids, which supports the immune system. It may decrease inflammation. And simply, it can help your dog or your cat's coat really stay shiny and healthy. So I was, I was fortunate enough to meet one of your fur babies in person before we started this. So I want to know, do you, see, do you feed salmon to your dogs? Yes, they do get salmon, but I'm not crazy enough to cook them up a piece of salmon um that's safe for us but a lot of times um when we when i purchase salmon it comes with the skin so it's either we grill it or bake it in the oven 
Um, we personally don't eat the skin, so that goes right into their their dinner bowl, and they love it. And like you said, I know it's great for their coat and for their skin, and it's just a great addition to their kibble. I think it's a little more exciting than dry food. Well, they must love you on salmon days. That's what I'll say. So they love me both days. Oh, the babies. But thank thank you for sharing with us, Amy. You know, I think you you potentially gave our audience something new to think about. You know, we think about a lot of different things, but now we can start to think about possibly incorporating seafood with our pets. So in starting to wrap up, what final message would you like to share with our audience about incorporating more seafood in their diet? I think one of the main um, points that I already touched on is to cook a dish that you're similar, that you're, I mean, familiar with, cook a dish that you're familiar with and just incorporate seafood into it. So say you're having a salad for dinner, chicken Caesar salad, let's swap out that chicken and put in some roasted salmon. Or you could grill up some shrimp and toss it on top of your salad. It's delicious and it's tastes you're familiar with. I also like to throw scallops into my spaghetti and say that that those are the meatballs and it's just everyone loves spaghetti so why not just give it a little twist i love taking traditional recipes and just tweaking them and a lot of people you know they're like oh you can't do that to a recipe that's not spaghetti and meatballs I'm like well who said i can't you know it, give it a try so i always like to change recipes up just to make them a little different and then um, everybody loves crispy, crunchy foods. So a super simple preparation for for seafood, uh, like to get a any kind of fish, a nice fillet, and I top it with a little buttery panko with that's got garlic and some fresh herbs in it. Pop it into the oven, and in about 12, 14, 15 minutes, you have delicious fish all it needs is a little squeeze of lemon if you'd like and it kind of takes the fear out of cooking when you know it's not an all-day project i think it definitely makes it less intimidating i will i will say that well it has been so much fun talking with you and learning more about seafood learning about your family learning about how it all started and in wrapping up if people want to find out more about you, your company, your recipes, they can go check out that salmon, that stuff, crab. Where can they go? The best place to start is at my website, which is amycaseycooks.com. Tell all about my personal chef business, about you know, my background, and that's where I add new recipes all the time. Most of the recipes I add these days are ones that my personal chef clients love. So I feel the general population will love them too so i'm always adding new recipes there uh if you don't want to take the time to head over to my website i do have a newsletter that goes out almost every week that will include any new recipes and tips i just sent out uh, one yesterday that was five of my favorite uh, summer recipes using the produce of the late summer months so you can get that just right in your email box. And I'm also on social media, Facebook and Instagram. 
Twitter, and as you mentioned on YouTube, um, I have a lot of my cooking videos and a lot of cooking tips in the kitchen. So any you can reach me just by any any Amy Casey Cooks, type that in and you'll find all of my accounts. Well, I think we have some people that are going to go and explore and see what you have out there and, and then possibly try some of your recipes in their own kitchen. That would be fabulous. I, I wanna thank you, Amy. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know everyone is busy, so I always am very thankful that people actually wanna come and chat about seafood with me. So thank you so much, and I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Catherine. It was a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you.